Welcome to episode 36 of Jesus and the Meteorologist. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I'm your host. Our subject is discernment, and our aim is to teach, to elevate your minds, and to exalt your courage, to accelerate and animate your industry and activity, and to excite in you an ambition to excel in every capacity, faculty, and virtue. Our mission is to inspire young men and women and their parents to understand the present in order to prepare for the future, a task that necessarily demands a proper interpretation of the past. Our aim is to highlight the antithesis between the way of the Lord and the ways of the world, between the truth of Scripture and the opinions of men, so that we might reflect the light of life in a culture of death. Very good. I must congratulate you again. Icebergs mouthing every one of those introductory words and phrases, including little hand motions and everything. Well, it's really hot out, isn't it? It is. Yeah, but it's cold in here. So hot that Penelope had to put her jacket on to cover up under the air conditioning of the studio, which I'm enjoying very much. I think Roger's enjoying. Yeah, I like the air conditioning. Winnie's feel good in here. Yeah, it's a small room. It'd get claustrophobic if we had... If it got too hot. Well, speaking of heat and activities in the heat, starting last Friday at the time we're recording this and up through midday yesterday, sorry, see, this is the problem of having snacks before going on the air, barbecue chips. I can have the rest (laughs) of your snacks for you. Why am I so hungry today? I can help you with that. We have been clearing out and removing, or not us personally, the tree service company has been removing on our behalf several large trees and a half dozen smaller ones around our house. Um, This is the second time in nine months that we've done this. So we've probably removed now, if you count the removal of trees right before we bought the house and the tree removal after and then the tree removal this week, I calculate we've removed about 30 trees. So it's really widened and expanded the the property, the light that's on the property, and... um, what we're able to do. It's, it was a veritable hub of activity this week, however. The first day uh, brought its own dangers, as a couple of the tree monkeys, as I like to call them, um, and that's not meant to be offensive, that's actually meant to be complimentary. It's amazing what these guys do and how they go up the trees. But one guy had climbed, or a couple of them had climbed to the tops of these 70-foot trees beside our house, and they had to hold on for dear life, swaying back and forth in gusts of wind from a storm that came out of nowhere. And we actually have an eyewitness to those events right here in the studio with us. Roger, you want to describe what happened? You have two eyewitnesses. So Penelope saw that too? Yeah. Okay. So tell us, give us a little feel for what that was like for these tree monkeys. So there I was. I was brushing my teeth and it (laughs) was in the morning. Outside? No. (laughs) I was in my bathroom brushing my teeth. It was probably about... Well, I don't know how. It was in the morning. And all of a sudden, I heard this big whoosh of wind. And I thought, man, aren't the tree guys out there? Like, that sounds like a pretty violent storm. So I went out to my window, and I saw wind, and I saw these leaves blowing down. And then it started raining, and I looked up, and in the tree were next to each other were two tree guys hanging on for dear life. One of them was, like, starting to come down on his little rope. But the other one was just hugging the tree going back and forth, probably about 20 feet. Like, back and, like, just, just swaying back and forth. Wait, 70 feet in the air. 20, 20 feet, feet back and, back forth. and forth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I went out. Well, I didn't go outside. I was in the kitchen, and then I like noticed it's getting really windy outside. And I was like, "Oh, I wonder if the guys are still out there." And so I rush out the door, and I'm like, while I'm walking out there, I'm like, "Oh, I could get whisked away. Like it's pretty windy out here." And so then, uh, one of by then, one of the guys had already come down, but the other guy was still up there, like swinging around. And then I was like, "Oh man!" So I I was watching until he got to the bottom, but I had to go inside because then like a bunch of sticks and stuff started like flinging themselves at me and like around the air so I was like oh Wait, my gosh so just flinging Sticks themselves we're flinging, flinging themselves, themselves at like the wind was like blowing so hard that like big sticks because they had just been chopping down the trees so all these branches are flying through the air so then I ran back inside you didn't want to get impaled no that's eyewitness root no, ruse eyewitness <laughs> news reporting uh, thank you for that Input, by the way, <clears throat> good for two reasons. One, it tells us what happened on the trees from those who were in attendance. I got it only by secondhand communication when I got home that night. Secondly, I don't think I've ever heard you guys so animated. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the kind of energy I've been looking for for 36 episodes. <laughs> it took us that long. Especially to get here. Penelope. Penelope, that was amazing. It's got to be talking about something I enjoy. <laughs> oh, Whoa! Yeah. What are you saying? <laughs> oh, my heart. Or maybe something like... <laughs> oh, man, that did my more damage than a stick would have if it impaled him. <laughs> something that I know a lot about. Wow. All right, well. <laughs> well, that's why it's a classroom. If you already knew all the answers, you wouldn't have to be in this classroom. Exactly. If I knew all the answers, I wouldn't have to be in this classroom. That's why we have this partnership, this conversation. That's how you learn things. Okay. Well, following that excitement of these guys in the trees who did get down safely, this uh, team of three men the first day, then four the next two days, buzzed around our house like bees, chopping trees, grinding down the stumps, throwing smaller branches into the wood chipper. You know how loud those are? That mm-hmm. right? sucks the trees <laughs> in. And um, then another guy driving the little skid steers around the property to pick up the the much larger, we guessed maybe a half ton, half logs. ton logs, yep. yeah, and placing those in the woods down the hill behind our home. Considering yeah, we have a massive log pile now, yeah, got to figure out what to do with that. Considering how dry it has been lately, you can probably imagine the big clouds of dust and dirt that enveloped our house every day for those three work days. So, upon my return from the office. Friday, Monday, and Tuesday, my first chore was to take one of our power tools from the garage to blow off all the dust that had settled on our front porch or back porch, the patio, etc. from that day's tree activity. But now here we are. The cut is complete. The property around the house is cleared. More sunlight's available to us, and the dust has settled. In fact, to help with that dust settling last night, my son and I watered the lawn Similar to in the old days, when I grew up, trucks would go along those old dirt roads and spray mist, light mist of oil to keep the dust to a minimum. I actually ran the sprinklers on the adjoining dirt dirt this morning. Yes, I actually did water the dirt. <laughs> um, he wanted to grow some weeds. Where the weeds, plural, not what? weed. I grow said some weeds. weeds. I, I just want to make sure. I want to make sure anybody who's listening <laughs> understands that we are not supporting the growing of weed, but weeds. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's why you were cutting down the trees. <laughs> you wanted more, well, more space, more weeds. Um, 
So I, I, I did. I watered the dirt this morning, which seems foolish to some, but it actually was very helpful in um, settling the dust. Okay, so if you've ever cut trees or built a new home or moved significant dirt of any sort uh, for landscaping or a similar project, you can probably appreciate that we stirred up a lot of response from the, um, how should I call them, the natural residents, right? The birds whose nests were in the trees that we felled. They were kind of going crazy, flitting about, looking for their homes. I saw one dart about the property and actually land atop one of the stumps before they ground that stump, as if that was maybe his tree or her tree, visibly confused and alarmed. Um, last night, we even encountered a few bats whose homes were also likely disturbed by our tree removal. They, too, seemed confused and frightened in the manner in which they were flying around. And I'm sure we're going to soon experience a new round of spiders, mice, skinks, and other creatures who are on the move, having been permanently dislocated from their old homes by crashing trees, buzzing saws, and the vibrations from heavy equipment rolling back and forth over the top of the soil. But I'm hoping and praying that the snakes head the other direction, further away from our house. They'll probably head, head down to that log pile. But the thing is, I think the snakes are actually lower than that log pile. They may come up to that log pile now. It's an attractive nuisance, as we used to say in the legal profession. I love trees. Trees are like the old man who invites his grandchildren up onto his lap so he can tell them a story about way back when I was a boy. Or perhaps when I was a little sapling. <laughs> when I was a little sapling. Oak trees, especially because they live so long, are fascinating to me. We have one of those mighty oaks behind our house that we chose not to cut, despite its close proximity to the back of the garage. We just gave it what they call a weight reduction, put it on a diet. <laughs> but we kept the tree because it is so beautiful and because it is so young, which in tree years means it has only been around for how long, Roger? You don't remember, do you? No, I don't remember. <laughs> that tree is 75 years old. Okay, that's a young oak tree. The tree behind our house was born probably about the time World War II ended. And you know what else? According to the arborists, that's how they title themselves, the guy that take, guys that take care of a tree, they cut them carefully and, and uh, nothing lands on your home and they leave it clean when they leave. That big oak tree at the back of the house is likely to live another 300 years or more. Wow. Unless, of, pretty course, crazy. Wow. unless of course, the Lord returns first. Or sends a lightning sick. bolt. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it could be taken out by natural means, right? Um, he told us not to worry about it, though. He said, I wouldn't leave, lose any sleep over that tree. He said, that's not going to fall down in your house. So that was good to hear. I have one more tree story, though, before we move ahead to the next section. When I was growing up, I lived in Pennsylvania, and my ancestors came from Poland in the Revolutionary War. Samuel Cookagee was the first Cookagee to land um, in this continent. He came during the Revolutionary War. He was a musician. We don't know what he played, fife or drum. But he was granted land in Pennsylvania because they did not pay them in cash. So he was given a couple hundred acre tract of land in northwestern Pennsylvania, not far from where I grew up. And over the years, my father used to take us to visit that property. Um, he was always looking for an opportunity to buy any part of it that he could <clears throat> because it's in the family name. But it was owned by Amish families mostly and others that he knew, um, but they weren't in a position where they wanted to sell. 
Finally, probably about 30 years ago, he was able to buy a six-acre tract of land, just a, just a little sliver, like a piece of pie, on the edge of that. <clears throat> and what's very obvious when you come to this land is there's a farm on one side, and then the rest is wooded. And at the edge of the farm, on the property that my father owned, it's now owned by, by my brother, <clears throat> excuse me, potato chips, <laughs> there is a mighty oak tree, I think it's a white oak, that has been there since George Washington was sent to northwestern Pennsylvania as a colonel, a 19-year-old colonel in the British Army. He was sent to northwestern PA, Fort LaBeouf area, which is not very far from where this property is, to negotiate with the French to get there. Really, he was charged with getting the French to give up Fort LaBeouf to the British, <clears throat> which, of course, they sent him away. So they said, who's this 19-year-old punk asking us for this property that we're not going to give up. But imagine that. George Washington walked past that tree or in close proximity to that tree that is still there today. All of the things that have transpired in time, in life, the generations, the wars, the famines, the storms, all of the good things, the births, the marriages, right? It's just... And yet that tree is still there. That same tree is there, surrounded by much, much smaller, younger trees, and obviously by farmland right next door. Doesn't Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> trees, obviously, are part of the created order. They're established by God to reveal something about himself to us. How do we know this? Well, if God created everything, and if all things are held together according to the counsel of his will, as it says in the Bible, then everything and every event must, by necessity, reveal something about God. When we return, we're going to examine some biblical references to trees and what they might reveal to us about God, us, and the entire created order. You are listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. So I wrote a little book all the way back in 2009 to address what was happening in America and what was likely to happen if we did not take corrective action. Unfortunately, too many of my predictions are coming true. The only surprise is the speed at which we have reached the precipice. The title of that little book is The Experts, and you can buy it on our webpage. Just go to JesusAndTheMeteorologist.com, click the image of the little brown book, and we'll send it to you for only $9.99. And then be sure to let me know what you think. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologists, a weekly squidget devoted to the topic of discernment. My name is Kevin Kukaji, and I'm your host. First of all, welcome back, Winnie. Woo, thank yeah. you. Woo. Thank Why don't you tell us what you've been doing this summer? So for the past, well, the last two weeks, I was at um, a conference called Summit Ministries. It was really amazing. It was all about the Christian worldview, and we had seven hours of lectures every day. But it was worth it. It was so much fun. That's a lot of lectures. Can yeah. you tell us how those lectures were spaced out? Like, did you get one, then you get a nap, then you get another one, you get lunch, then you get another one and three cups of coffee? And <laughs> Well, <laughs> we had them all very early in the morning, but they were different times. How so early? 
So Did you get up at four a.m. No, thankfully not that early. <laughs> we had breakfast from seven to eight, and then at eight we had our first lecture, which was thirty minutes long. Then we had a ten minute break. Then we had an hour long lecture. Then we had a twenty minute break, and then forty five minute lecture, and a twenty five minute break, and then another forty five minute lecture. Were all the lunch. lectures in the same room? Yes. So you're sitting in the same seat that whole time. Yeah, and it's all assigned seats uh, arranged by age, boy, girl, boy, girl. Wow. Okay. So what was your favorite? What was your favorite lecture or favorite part of the conference? Because it was two weeks, right? It it's was a long two time weeks, to be yeah. there. Um, well, I have made a lot of good friends. Like all the people sitting next to me were really awesome. Um, from all over the country? Yes. Yeah. So the one from Kansas, Arkansas, Pennsylvania. Someone even came from Alaska. Holy moly. That's really cool. Yeah. But my favorite speaker was Dr. Klusendorf, and he came on the first day and talked to us um, about pro-life and abortion and that whole topic, and it was really good. Good. Yeah, the friendships that can be made at conferences and camps like that can sometimes become lifetime Yes. Friends, just like friends you make in college, there's something about being in an environment with someone day and night over a time period. You can get a lot closer. Um, you can learn a lot of, more about the person than when you're in high school or high school age. You see your friends and they go home to their parents for dinner. You might see them in three days. And as us, as children growing, growing up playing football and then go home and I won't see you for three weeks or I'll see you every day in school from 7.30 to 3.30, but then I don't see you after that. So yeah, living in close proximity and actually living lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner if you're in the same dorms yeah. together. And yeah. Well, thanks. Unfortunately, though, you're only here for one episode, right? Aren't you yes. back out jet setting around on your very two important schedule? Yeah, I'll be at the beach, two different beaches. Oh, the next man. Week. I know. Man. Lucky. Pack me in your suitcase. <laughs> must be nice. I'll be back, though. Don't worry. We look forward to that. We'll be here. <laughs> Well, Roger's going to college. You won't be here for much longer. Trying to I'll be here, here the whole time. <laughs> trying to squeeze out all of, will be here. all of the fun we can. Okay, so let's enter the... Houses of Analysis. Where today we're going to talk about some of the abundance. We're going to pick a few. There's many passages from Scripture that discuss trees. And I'm going to have us read today from the New Living Translation just because... Uh, the variety, and sometimes it captures my imagination a little more poignantly. So, Roger, why don't you pull up for us Isaiah 6.13 and tell us what it says. Isaiah 6.13 says, If a tenth, a remnant, survive, it will be invaded again and burned. But as a ter terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it is cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. Mm. Read that. <clears throat> Read that again just for clarity and for mm -hmm. emphasis. If even a tenth, a remnant, survive, it will be invaded again and burned. But as a terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it is cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. Mm-hmm. Okay, hold that in your mental box up here. Penelope's going to read from Isaiah 9, verses 8 through 10. <clears throat> the Lord has spoken out against Jacob. His judgment has fallen upon Israel. And the people of Israel and Samaria, who spoke with such pride and arrogance, will soon know it. They said, We will replace the broken bricks of our ruins with finished stone and replant the felled sycamore fig trees with cedar. By the way, isn't it funny language? We don't, 
when you're chopping down the tree, you say you fell the tree or the tree was felled. Uh-huh. <clears throat> it sounds so improper, but that's what that says there that Penelope, <clears throat> Penelope was reading. And replant the felled sycamore fig trees with cedars, which, by the way, we have a lot of sycamores around here. We do. And then last but certainly not least in the theme of trees, at least cutting down of trees, Winnie's going to read from Isaiah 10, beginning at verse 17 and going through verse 19. Yes. The Lord, the light of Israel, will be a fire. The Holy One will be a flame. He will devour the thorns and briars with fire, burning up the enemy in a single night. The Lord will consume Assyria's glory like a fire consumes a forest in a fruitful land. It will waste away like sick people in a plague. Of all that glorious forest, only a few trees will survive, so few that a child could count them. All right. So is there, let me first ask, a distinguishable or recognizable theme from these three separate passages in Isaiah, these three metaphors of trees? Well, they all talk about being cut down. Cut down, or in the case of Winnie's passage. Or only a few surviving. Burnt down, right? Oh, yeah. Right? Like a fire consumes a forest? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in other words, yes— I think the, the common theme from those three passages is God's cutting down trees that are what? No good. Doesn't, well. Mm. Well, that would be more, it, it actually reminds me of something. What does Jesus do to the fig tree? We didn't pull that passage, but we could it. have. Curses yeah. it because it doesn't, it doesn't bear fruit. It doesn't bear fruit, right? Okay, just, just remember that for a moment because we're going to come back to that. Let me read something else. In fact, I want to read a different passage that incorporates a different tree metaphor than what we just spoke about. In in other words, instead of the tree being burnt, destroyed, cut down, I'm going to read from Isaiah 11, and you're welcome to follow along. It's a longer passage. Isaiah 11, 1 through 10. Listen carefully. And this is a contrast. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will lie together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and a little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay with a cow. The baby will play safe near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Like down over our hill. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. So that passage is obviously much good news and a different, much more of a contrast in a different context of trees. So God uses, doesn't he, tree metaphors to reveal both judgment for what? 
if you add in the fig tree being cursed because it didn't bear fruit, and what were these other trees in Isaiah being cut down or burnt for? Well, they were being cut down to show the, um, to symbolize the punishment. Punishment of, for what? Of Israel, for their sin. Yeah, and their sin of rebellion, disobedience, right? Mm-hmm. Unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness. Yeah, God kind of showing God's judgment. Right. And then in this passage, it shows God's what? Salvation. Yeah. yeah. His salvation, his mercy, his redemption, right? So he burns, cuts down, destroys trees that are rebellious or disobedient or unfaithful. But he brings forth new life and eternal life out of the very stumps of the trees that he destroys. Right? Scripture says, Isaiah 11, a new branch. And by the way, the Bible capitalizes that word. So it's referring to whom? Jesus. Jesus, right? Who bears fruit, interestingly enough, right? The fig tree doesn't bear fruit. You see the kind of the parallels and the connections, right? This one does bear fruit from what it says is the old root. And by root, what are we to glean from this? What is that? What does that term refer to? A branch that bears fruit from the old root. What is the old root? Ah, yes. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> so thankful to have an on-top producer take care of those things for us. Well, come on now. <laughs> Who's the old root? Oh, Adam? Uh... God? Yes. The tri- okay. and not just any God, right? It's the triune the God, God of the scriptures who scripture tells us was and is and is to come from everlasting to everlasting, the root of all things and from which all things come and by which all things derive their existence and their meaning. When we return, we're going to tie everything together and wrap it up in a complete biblical package of discernment. You're listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. There are citizens in Tennessee working to reclaim the practice of self-governance in our state and ensure that a constitutional Republican form of government is preserved to future generations. We are Tennessee Stands. Do you want to get off the sidelines and learn how to stand for liberty in your community? Join us at TennesseeStands.org and on social media at Tennessee Stands. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologists. My name is still Kevin Cookagee, and I am still your host. At and we end, are still on the podcast, Jesus and the Meteorologist. <laughs> and you're still stuck with me. And we're still icebergs. At the end of the last segment, we agreed, didn't we, that when the Bible tells us about a shoot that will bear fruit from the old root, right? Isn't that interesting? It all rhymes, too, at least in the English translation. A shoot will bear fruit from, from the, the old root. root. <laughs> this term, old root, refers to God. And we took the position that the nature and character of God is that he always was and is and is to come. He reigns from everlasting to everlasting, and he's the root of all things from which all things come and by which all things derive their existence and their meaning. Now, we're going to defend that position biblically by giving evidence from the scriptures. To do this, 
I've assigned a passage to each iceberg beginning to my right with Roger. Proverbs 8. Let's start at 22, and I'll just cut you off when you've said enough. All right. The Lord formed me from the beginning, before he created anything else. I was appointed in ages past, at the very first, before the earth began. I was born before the oceans were created, before the springs bubbled forth their waters. Before the mountains were formed, before the hills, I was born. Before he had made the earth and fields and the first handfuls of soil. I was there when he established the heavens, when he drew the horizon on the oceans. I was there when he set the clouds above, when he established springs deep in the earth. I was there when he set the limits of the seas, so they would not spread beyond their boundaries. And when he marked off the earth's foundations, I was the architect at his side. I was his constant delight, rejoicing always in his presence. And how happy I was with the world he created. How I rejoiced with the human family. Okay, that's good for there. All right, talking about Jesus, Jesus in the allegorical sense of wisdom. Remember that in in the context of that as we move to John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were created. Without him, wait, through him, all things were made. made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Very good memory there. Look at that. Because this was the wrong translation. So oh, gonna, see, you, didn't, you didn't need it. All right. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Right? Through him, all things were made. Nothing was made. Nothing was made that has been made without him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Winnie, Colossians 1, 15 through 23. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, the things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy." For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. For if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard, and that has been proclaimed by to every preacher. <laughs> <laughs> every preacher under heaven. <laughs> every preacher. <laughs> should, be, should be proclaimed by every preacher. <laughs> it this, isn't, but it should be. This is the gospel that you heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Or you, Winnie. Yes, me witty. <laughs> All right, so is there a recognizable, distinguishable theme from those passages about the character of God and the character of the Son? Okay, S O N. S O N. Yeah. What is what is the what is one of the themes? What do you hear resonating throughout all three of those passages? Proverbs, John, and Colossians. I think we need the clock again. (laughs) That Jesus is before all things. All right. Before all things. 
What else? And now the food is slowing you down. <laughs> Not like that day we had donuts. <laughs> so let me let me ask it in a different way, and maybe this will spring you into action or or ignite your minds. So is this saying that God is temporary? He's he's a figment of our imagination. Just just came about recently. He's around for a little while. He'll die off before the oak tree <laughs> dies off, and he has no power at all. Does that yeah. help? <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. So someone now tell me what these scriptures tell us about God. Tells us that God is permanent, that God is, um, well, I said before all things, but that God created all things. Mm-hmm. Tells Infinite, us. eternal, unchangeable. Yep. Created all things, has been around since before all things, right? Yeah. And always will be, right? He's eternal. It's hard for us to wrap our heads around that because mm-hmm. we are temporal by nature. We are eternal beings, but we are intemporal bodies by nature right now. Okay, so now we know the Bible tells us, right, the nature and character of God. It also tells us or distinguishes that from the nature and character of man because we are temporal. There's other passages that make it clear that we're also very sinful. We fall short of the glory. In fact, in this discussion about trees, unfaithful trees get cut down, right? That's a, that's a problem of sin. Um, the universe in which we live, God talks about all of that, that he was here before those things. He He's by his word, these things were created. Nothing was created without God, right? And the very nature of truth itself, all of that is contained in Scripture and describes what is true and what is not, how things are ordered and created together. And by the way, for anyone who's curious, in the early episodes, we talked about um, and talked about how we defend this position and um, and our views. If anybody's interested, we don't have time today, but I would say the first 10 or 12 episodes in particular um, explain why we are so convicted about these views and why we believe that by necessity, God must be uh, behind and at back of everything. So it is necessary that he be that old root from which all things come and through which all things derive their existence and their meaning, including, by the way, that mighty oak tree and other trees around our house. Questions? At icebergsnotsnowflakes.com. <laughs> Chips? Sure. All right. <laughs> That's all the time we have today, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again to our icebergs, not snowflakes, our producer, and his clock, his valuable clock, and to all of our listeners and supporters. In the never-ending battle for hearts and minds, we aim to find and develop young men and women who, like the men of Issachar, understand the times and who know what to do. And how can we know what we're to do? Unless Unless we we believe believe what what is is true. true. My name is Kevin Kukaji, and you've been listening to Jesus and the Meteorologist. Meteorologist.